0: Coalition on Adult Basic Education's Adult Ed Advocast, the podcast that helps you become a more effective advocate for adult education. I'm Sarah Higigi, Refugee Education Program Coordinator at Pima Community College and a 2021 Arizona State Advocate for Adult Education Philo. I introduce myself as a passionate educator who believes in empowering students and raising their critical consciousness about social conditions. And my co-host is Erin.
1: Hi, I'm Erin Vobornik, the 2021 State Advocate for Adult Education Fellow from Illinois and an ESL instructor at Elgin Community College. I'm also a board member on IASA, which is Illinois State Association for Adult and Continuing Education. So today we are going to dive into how the COAB Adult Ed Advocast came to be and our goals for the podcast this year. So our guest today is Rachel Cook. She is the creative educator who named the podcast. We'll get to know her in just a bit, but first, let's talk about the Adult Ed Advocast. So before we begin, Sarah, do you want to give a little background on how this podcast came to be?
0: Sure. It was around this time last year when we applied for the first round of State, state Advocate for our Adult Education field trainings, which is known as SAFE. I was very excited and wanted to learn more about advocacy and learn about other educators working around advocacy, like any other millennials. I started searching for podcasts, but I couldn't find any. So during this safe trainings, Erin and I got very close to each other. Mm. And we started talking about the possibility of starting our own podcast we discussed this idea with Sharon and Jeff. They were very supportive. And honestly, I cannot believe that this simple thought or dream that we had turned into this reality so Mm -hmm. soon.
1: I know it's incredible. So thank you for inviting me to be part of it. I love that you mentioned being a millennial and loving podcast because I am as well. And I remember when I first started the SAFE training, I was looking around for advocacy podcasts, thinking this would be a really great way to kind of enhance what we're learning and for, I'm kind of a nerd, so to really dig into it. And there was nothing at all. So when you came to me with the idea, I thought this is brilliant. So thank you. Of course, huge thanks to CoABE for making it happen. And now here we are on the Adult <sighs> So speaking of the word AdvoCast, so I really enjoyed reading all the creative podcast names. I know we got to meet and, and talk over them. And there were just hundreds <laughs> of amazing ideas that were submitted. And I think that's the moment for me when it started to feel real. Like, oh, my goodness, this is, this is really going to happen. And as it happens, as we said today, we have the winner of the podcast naming contest, Rachel Cook with us today. So we are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're gonna chat with Rachel um, about how she came up with that name and just get to know a little bit more about her. Welcome back. My name is Erin Babornick, and I'm here with my co host, Sarah Hagigi, and you've been listening to the Adult Ed Advocast.
0: Rachel is an educator and an optimist. Before joining adult education at Pima Community College in 2020, she taught writing and ran a writing program at Northern Arizona University. Her three professional priorities are as follows promoting digital literacy, reimagining workforce readiness, and integrating wellness practices into education. Welcome to our podcast, Rachel. Thanks so much, Sarah. Thanks, Erin. It's great to be here. And I'm I'm
2: honored to be invited to your, your very first mm-hmm. uh, yes, podcast, your you. debut. I know.
0: This is amazing. First of all, we love the name Adult Ed Advocates. How did you come up with this name?
2: So um, it's funny. I was thinking about that when I was kind of preparing to come. And uh, I've always loved naming things. I just find it so rewarding to give something a name. And maybe that's why I'm in education and what I love about teaching. You know, there's there's language. There's just so much to kind of play with there. Um, and then compounding words, like like putting together advocacy and podcast into one word. Adult ed sort of needed to be on its own as far as I could tell, but I think the other words could be combined. And then lastly, I, ju- I think I just can't not be a little bit competitive. So when there was a contest, I just I just had to just try and see what would happen. So, so yeah, and I was really surprised when I got the notification saying that you'd selected the name that I suggested. So thank you. Thank yeah, you. It,
1: yes, it, it stood out. <laughs> <laughs> it, obviously. So do you listen to podcasts? Are you a, a
2: podcaster? I do. I love podcasts, especially on road trips. I just find them so wonderful because it's like you have a friend in the car, you know, but you don't have to read anything or audiobooks, I suppose. But there's something so nice about podcasts. I feel like they've really democratized um the ability to just have a conversation and kind of disseminate it in this new way. Um, I do think this is an interesting uh, sort of, I don't know what this stream yard, this program, just because I've never had a video at the same time. Uh, But it's, I mean, this is all new and we're learning and I just think it's really cool. Oh, also I have a former partner who, um, had a podcast and I got to help him create it, which was really fun too. He's a backcountry skier, uh, so he oh, owns. Wow. He, yeah, he's really into that community, and he has a couple of backcountry ski shops. And um, he's like, I just I want to have conversations about getting out. You know, when you can just when you own your skis and you can sort of go out whenever you want, right? And I want to have conversations because this ends up being such a, I guess, an isolated sport. So he wanted to create community in that way.
0: Oh wow! That's How interesting. Yeah. There's no
1: end, no end to the topics that are out there. That's why we were surprised advocacy wasn't <laughs> wasn't front and center.
0: So, Rachel, um, what brought you to adult education? What class are you teaching right now? Whew, okay, so
2: um, from my bio, I guess I just I taught writing for a really long time. It is Northern Arizona University and Sarah? You and I are both in Arizona, so hello, hello, uh, fellow Arizonan. Um, but yeah, I was uh, teaching writing for a long time and then I actually taught abroad. I lived in Russia. I had a a fellowship in Moscow and I loved that. I, I taught writing at a university and taught, um, worked with kids, worked with adults. And, uh, I guess the reason I moved into adult ed was I felt like after living in Russia, after living abroad, I just wanted to do more. I wanted to be a part of, Something that would really change people's lives, and um, and then when I came back to the states, I ended up seeing the job at Pima, and I was really fortunate to apply and to get it. And uh, I started in twenty twenty. I started in April of twenty twenty. So I um, actually just a couple of weeks ago, I went back to work for the first time um, since the whole pandemic. So
0: yeah, actually we both working the same college under the same program so I know how it feels and you started right before the pandemic started. I did. <laughs> you're yeah, so right. not ideal. <laughs> not <laughs> ideal but you're doing such an amazing job. What classes what class or classes are you teaching right now right now? So, I work for what's
2: called the iBest program. Uh, which is, and I don't need to get into too much, but basically, the program I work with is housed under adult ed, but we work with students who are getting credit, um, who are taking credit classes as well. So we are sort of there to support them and co teach with some of their credit side instructors. Uh, so that is kind of a, an interesting, and I mean, it's forever interesting right now. I'm so, Sarah, to answer your question. I'm co-teaching in an automated industrial technology program. So I co-teach for maintenance operations, um, which is very interesting. And then uh, mechanical systems. So I mean, we, we just started, so I'm not too, too far into that. Uh, last session I co-taught for a medical assistant cohort. So I was in the pharmacology um, course with the, the students and I feel like it you just learn so much and and also it, it with students, you know, you're you're going through it together. But also, you know, I'm there to sort of support them with things like, okay, so they wrote a, a 13 page paper. The the adult ed students wrote a 13 page paper in their pharmacology class, and the instructor, I'm so I'm so grateful that she actually did require that because I think students don't often have the chance in some of these programs to practice writing. But I taught writing for you know. 11 years and she's not a writing teacher. So when she assigned it, there was just so much that I wanted to add to the way that she introduced it. And and the students are like, how long? What? Re- research? What, what does this mean? And I said, we're gonna take this step by step. And we did. And I, I feel like a proud, um, I hate to say proud mom, but I, I feel like a proud, you know, family person. (laughs) Um, I'm really, I was just so proud of all of them. All of them did an excellent job, wrote amazing papers. We worked through it. So that's what iBest is, right? We support the students. So last session, medical assistant. This session, I work with this automated industrial technology program. And I also co-teach for an IT program. And the reason I had to reschedule our recording tonight is that I'm helping the students in the IT program. They're signing up for the user experience or they're hoping to sign up for that. CoApe's putting this on, mm-hmm. this user experience, Google certificate. So I'm actually gonna take the first class with them. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes, <laughs> Um
0: This is so wonderful.
2: It's fun, it's fun. It's just all over the place. And I think that's kind of how I would describe adult ed actually.
0: This is so wonderful. Thank you so much for all the good work that you're doing. I
1: think that's a very fair assessment that adult ed is all all over the place. And that's part of what's so wonderful about it is you're constantly getting to kind of stretch your educational muscles (laughs) in new directions.
0: That's true. Uh,
1: So on top of like the the wonderful part of working adult in adult ed, it does have its challenges, though. So oftentimes, you know, teachers in general right now are also overworked. Sometimes there's just not a lot of opportunity for full-time employment in adult ed. There's not always enough funding for all of the amazing activities and professional development that we want to do. So what are some of those success stories
2: that keep you motivated to keep teaching in adult ed? (laughs) That's a loaded question. I think it's an important one. Um, I'll try my best to answer it. I think I just want to come back to what you said in the beginning there, Erin. I think think teachers, adult ed and otherwise, are overworked. I think there are a lot of expectations placed on instructors um, at all levels. And certainly there are some instructors who are better set up to do what they need to and to sort of stay healthy while they're doing it, and I think others aren't. And so I think that's a really that's a really big issue. I don't know what the answer is. I just think it's something we need to keep talking about and not pretending like it's not an issue. So I, I definitely want to comment on that. I also want to comment on one other thing that wasn't mentioned that I think should be, and this is that both full-time and adjunct or part-time instructors are grossly underpaid And I think that this issue is often overlooked because they say, oh, well, teaching is rewarding. It is rewarding, but I can't afford my house sometimes. And and I don't have a fancy house. And so I wanna, I really wanna bring that to the forefront. I also think teaching generally speaking tends to be a female um, led endeavor. And I think women in general are less apt to talk about pay and salary and so that's why I'm making a point of saying it right now and right here because this is an advocacy we should be advocating for teachers exactly. and for women and so I just want to I just want to put all of that out there I am not shy <laughs> I am happy to say these things and I also want to be somebody that if somebody wants to ask me well why should teach I'm, I'm happy to talk about that too uh, I don't think anyone else should be paid less I think teachers should be paid more. And then you mentioned professional development too. Um, and I I have so many thoughts on that. I think there are so many opportunities for professional development in the adult ed world. I'm really grateful for that. I also think there's this expectation sometimes that we're constantly contributing and also participating in ways that it becomes... Um, <laughs> Like what I was saying, it's a lot of things. I feel like professional development can feel a little overwhelming at times too, as much as I love it. And I, lead, I actually, for the Department of Ed in Arizona, I lead um, Google training sessions for teachers. And I really, really love doing that. And I also recognize that for the instructors who come, it's a lot of their time and their energy. So just sort of back to success stories, that was the other part of the question, Um, I think you'd said, what are some success stories that keep you motivated? Man, I feel like every day I have a success story that keeps me motivated. Um, Okay, so I'll tell you a couple. Uh, When I was teaching this Google class, a Google basic tools class virtually, uh, so many, so many success stories. But I think sometimes we overlook the small wins throughout the day and the week because we're trying to think about you know, students getting their GEDs. And there are plenty of those, but I want to highlight some of the smaller wins too. Like I remember one of my students, I won't mention a last name, but um, actually I probably shouldn't mention a first name either. I had this wonderful student. We'll call her L. <laughs> um, and such a wonderful attitude. Uh, An older student who'd actually lost her job um, in the healthcare field because she didn't have a GED and they were sort of looking for ways to let people go because they didn't have enough money. Um, So she was going back to school and we were doing a lesson on emailing and she said, Rachel, I just I just don't understand how you're getting your mouse, I think she was talking, like, the cursor, how you're getting your cursor to get to the next line. I just, it takes me so long to hit the space bar, eventually, is what she's telling me. She couldn't, so she wasn't familiar with just hitting enter. And we had this discussion in class, and I said, you know, this is how it works. A L, this is, this is one of the, one of the wonderful ways you can navigate when you're in a document and she said she stopped and she said this changes everything and she said it in that way and I thought that feels so big I know that it maybe in the sort of grand scheme of her life even isn't that big of a deal but just that that makes her life so much easier and this idea that you can navigate a document um more quickly and more efficiently, um, just kind of a, a, I don't know. I love that story um, I and certainly, I mean, students, I remember um, a student even before she joined the medical assistant cohort that I was co-teaching, um, she had to pass an acuplacer, a writing acuplacer in order to be admitted and uh, we were practicing and she was writing something that also helped her to be admitted into the program and She was writing this and reading it out loud and I was she was sharing her screen and the two of us because um, She'd actually been kicked out of her house as a young woman uh, because she got pregnant very young Um, she'd been removed from her parents house because um, of Drugs and then she lived with her grandparents, but because she had a child very young she um, actually got kicked out and had three kids and at a very very young age and she was writing how she wanted to join this medical assistant cohort because she I might cry as I'm telling this because she wanted her kids to see that they could do anything and that she was um to the version 2.0 of herself and uh she and we're just she's we're writing this together we're both crying we're both crying as she's writing this um application to um it was for funding an application for funding to join this program, and you know, as soon as she finished, um, it was—I don't know—it just felt like. I think both of us recognized the sort of power of that, uh, and certainly these are just some random examples that I'm thinking of now. But I mean, I have students that I meet with on a regular basis who just, just you know, little things, little things, watching them develop confidence in a digital space that's what we did this you know the last two years where they just feel like oh you know the ones who never would share their screen or never would branch out or like oh rachel i can show the new person will you put me in a? will you put me in a breakout room why yes yes i can put you in a breakout room and you can share your screen and show this person how to do it so it's that kind of thing that is so encouraging and also motivating i think as a teacher but also I think we forget about the importance of community um, or we don't forget, but we don't always talk about it. And there's so much community in adult ed. And I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm really grateful to be here right now. I think nobody, nobody know nobody plans to maybe go exactly where they're going, except for those very few people who are like, I want to be an astronaut, you know, um, that I wanted to be a marine biologist.
0: Guess what? I am not. (laughs) (laughs) I 100% agree with you. Oh, my God. Those stories, they were so touching. Thank you so much for sharing those with us. And then the challenges that you raised, so on point. Thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. And thank you for having these
2: conversations. Um, I... One thing I guess I would, I don't know if this is appropriate, but one thing I'd, I'd love to put out there is, I like I mentioned, I think the, some of the conversations about challenges don't necessarily have answers, but as best we can, I think trying to close loops and trying to figure out ways to address challenges and, and put them at the forefront, I know that that's sort of what your jobs as the um, advocates, state advocates, um, I, I think that's what a lot of what you're being asked to do. And I would just ask that you keep it on everyone's minds, keep these things on people's minds and maybe in new ways or bring it back to us um, as instructors to have discussions or whatever you think is best.
1: I love that, yes. Advocacy is about action even if you're you're not always sure. (laughs) you don't have to know the answer. It's you have to start the conversation and and keep it going. So thank you for starting that conversation and, and adding fuel to it here with us today.
0: What a great way to start our podcast. I know.
1: I have the the warm and fuzzies right now. <laughs> so Rachel, you you brought up so many amazing points. And like you said, you are not shy to talk about these things. So if listeners are, as I'm sure they are, really feeling that connection to you right now and they want to connect with you, they want to keep those conversations going, they want to ask questions, um, how can they find you?
2: I was thinking about this, Erin, when you asked that question earlier. Um, I, I guess what comes up first is my email through Pima College. Um, and I'm happy to either say it or give it to you, however, however that works best. Um, and then I'm also in LinkedIn, and I think that might be the other best way. And my first and last name, um, Rachel with an E, just an E-L, and then my last name is tricky, even though it's pronounced Cook, it's K-O-C-H. So what, what would be your preference in terms of email? You can
1: share it out loud now, and then we can also we can also link it up on the website um, and everywhere that we share this this podcast as well.
2: Okay, sure. I'm happy to read it. Um, so it's R and then K O C H, my last name, and then number three at Pima.edu. And again, that's R K-O-C-H, the number three at Pima. Sarah, I'm sure yours is the same. <laughs> uh So yeah, so my email, and then like I said, LinkedIn, which is just, you just search my first and last name. I think, I think I'm the only person with that name at Pima College. So you'll find me straight away.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Rachel. We're going to go ahead and take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to dig into some federal legislation.
0: Welcome back. My name is Sarah Hagigi, and I'm with my co-host Erin Babernik. And you've been listening to Adult Ed Advocast. It's time for the federal legislation update. I'm really excited for
1: this federal legislation update part. I'm kind of nerdy about this. So, Sarah, before we start talking um, specifically about Build Back Better, which is the current legislation, I want to ask you an important question. So why should we as adult educators pay attention to federal legislation at all?
0: Well, in order to advocate for adult education, we need to know how some of our needs might be addressed by legislation that's already out there. Um, Erin, what is it in Build Back Better that pertains to adult ed?
1: So great question, because sometimes we hear these names of legislation and we think Build Back Better. Yeah, that it sounds powerful. How, what does this have to do <laughs> with adult education? So a little bit of background. So on November 19th, the House passed its version of the Reconciliation Bill, also known as Build Back Better Act. And sometimes you see it abbreviated as BBB. So this bill is not a law. It must be passed by the Senate and then again by the House before heading to the president's desk. Now, this is all like government class again. So while the funding is not guaranteed because the bill isn't a law yet, the House passed version that we're looking at now includes $700 million in dedicated relief funding for adult education programs. So that's that's a good chunk of money, seven hundred million. So it's because of everybody's weekly, continuous advocacy that we have that ded- that dedicated funding already written into that bill. So we have to continue um, so that it stays in there, so it stays through the final bill. Right? It's exciting. It's in there now. We've got to keep it. <laughs> So again, right now, as I said, the Build Back Better Act is in reconciliation. So what does that word mean? What is reconciliation, Sarah?
0: Reconciliation is a budgetary process that can be used to advance legislation in the Senate without the typical 60 vote threshold. It only requires a simple majority to pass and it cannot be filibustered. The reconciliation process begins with a budget resolution, which instructs certain committees to change spending, deficits, revenues, or debt limits by specific amounts. Each of these committees writes a bill to achieve the target set by the budget resolution. All of the committee's bills are then combined to form the budget reconciliation bill. Now, listeners may be wondering, when can we expect to see the final BBB?
1: (laughs) So like we said, it's currently pending, right? And it's kind of we're just kind of waiting. Like, when are we going to hear about it? They haven't come to an agreement. Um, Congress is still discussing the details. But those discussions are ongoing, and it could happen at any time. So that's why we need to stay vigilant as advocates to ensure that that $700 million in direct funding for adult education stays in that final version of the bill. So, Sarah, how can listeners advocate to keep adult ed funding in the Build Back Better Act?
0: Well, they can email legislators as easy as that, and even easier, they can use COIBS three click form. So easy. It is easy.
1: You just type in your name, your address. You don't even need to know who your legislators are or their contact information. It gives it to you. It gives you a beautiful letter that you can update to um, to fit your your. Local needs or to add your own personal story into it. I was really impressed. I I tell this story sometimes. I uh, sometimes sneak into the pantry to like eat a cookie so my kids don't see me. And I went in there with my cell phone and I did my advocacy while I was eating a cookie hiding in the pantry. So what's the strangest place you've done three clicks for?
0: (laughs) It literally takes five seconds. It doesn't take long. So if you want to tweak the letter, definitely you can do that. If not, um, you can use the same template. And it's very easy to do. And you don't need to be an educator to advocate for adult education or for education in general. So um, feel free to share this with any of the family members that you may have. And they might be interested in helping adult education. Absolutely. Great point. Thank you for listening. Click the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode have a question, idea for an episode, or a success story to share, find us on Twitter by searching hashtag Advocast and on Quaib's YouTube channel. Join us next month for more adult education advocacy with the Quaib's Adult Ed Advocast.